0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Now this, this Matthew 13 is the, uh, the mysteries of the kingdom in parable form. Jesus started to teach a different way. And we've been, we've touched, we kind of did an overview on it a couple weeks ago. And I want to come back and, and go into each of these parables a little more. Uh, in more detail. So, we've, we've already talked about the uh, first parable, and I think, you, I think most people have a good understanding of it, but there's something that I, I, I want you to think about. There are the times of the Gentiles. There's a couple things I just want to make sure it's clear. We have what's called the times of the Gentiles, And we also have what is called the fullness of the Gentiles. So hold your place in Matthew 13. And you you may just want to write this down. I'm just going to read just real quick, uh, just to give you a reference to the times of the Gentiles. And then, then I'm going to come right back to 13. In Luke 21, verse 24 says... And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Okay? Times of the Gentiles. So what is the times of the Gentiles? It is um, Israel's loss of political ascendancy, which means power or governing or controlling influence. So it's the political part of things. All right, when did that start? It began with Nebuchadnezzar taking over. See, not only is this something that Jesus is talking about in Luke that is going to happen, it already did. Happen with Nebuchadnezzar, and it will go all the way through to when the Antichrist is the last one who will uh, take out that times of the Gentiles. It, so basically, when Jesus comes back again to set up that earthly kingdom, that's when the times of the Gentiles will be over, and then the kingdom that has been talked about up until where we're at right now in Matthew, that will actually happen. Because, as you know by now, as much as we've been in this, the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The king was there, but they got rid of the king. They, they eliminated him. So the kingdom of heaven was put on hold for an undetermined amount of time. We don't know how long. We just know how long it's been. We don't know how much further we have to go. When the end of it happens, that's the times of the Gentiles coming to an end. All right, now we have the fullness of the Gentiles. Now, that's Israel's loss of religious ascendancy, again, which means power, being the the world leader in in, uh, spiritual issues. They lost that. When did they lose it? On the day of Pentecost, that ushered in the Church Age. So, if you've noticed how I have been talking about Israel losing their political power, they lost their spiritual power at different times, and they're going. Pentecost started the new Church Age. When does that end? At the Rapture, right? Then all these other things come together that we that we've been talking about. Now these these parables. All right, let me read. Let me read out of uh, Romans eleven, uh, Romans 11, uh, twenty-five. You can write this down. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part is happened to Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, you need to see the difference of those. If you have a Scofield Bible, down at the bottom of the page, there in Romans eleven five, uh, I mean eleven, verse twenty five, at the very bottom, it says the fullness of the Gentiles is the completion of the purpose of God in this age the outcalling from among the Gentiles of a people for Christ's name, the church which which is his body. Okay? That's the difference between the two. You must distinguish between the two. Now the sower, the seed and the soils. Now the emphasis on that, and that's the uh, first one in, in 13. The seeds fell on different soils. That is the main part of the parable. The sower, not emphasized greatly. It could be any of us. The seed, not a whole lot said about the seed, but we know it's the best seed in the world. But it's the soils that are emphasized. You had the wayside. No results out of the seed that fell on the wayside, right? No results. You didn't see anything with that. The birds of the air came in and and just started eating up the seed. The birds represented the demons, the, the, the workers of the devil. Then you have the stony places. What can we say about the stony places? There was no root. So no results with the wayside. No roots in the stony soil, and then this, the thorny soil, the briars and all the weeds of the world. That's, that's the, uh, the things of this world, whether it be uh, the things we can buy, the things places we can go, all of these things that get in the way of you hear the good word of God and then other things get you pulled in all these different directions and it never really does much. What what seems to come up, like in the stony places, it came up quick. In the thorny places, it could come up, but it just gets choked out by all the other things in the world. So there's no resistance to... So no results, no roots, no resistance. We need to be people who are prepping. Now, this past Wednesday night talked about the stories of Acts 16, of Lydia, very soft heart. That was was ground that was prepared. Then you had the the young woman who was demon-possessed that was a a soothsayer. You have to deal with that person way differently than a Lydia. We have different people that we come in contact with. Some they're, they're right, all, right, right there. There's not a whole lot of effort that you got to put into giving them the word of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and they believe. But then you got those who have been affected by this terrible world that we live in, this evil world, and they may have to have a demon cast out of them. They may, they just may have things in their life that need to be worked on, and we help them with that. We just help people. It could be something that lasts for days. It could be months. We never give up. We just keep trying. We keep praying for them. We pray that the Holy Spirit will go touch them, and we're just prepping that ground. We, we, we talk to people about, uh, by being examples, that we're, we're not ruled by the, the wealth of this world and always going after money or always going after things. We, we are people who are more simple-minded and we're just here for a temporary time our our true treasure is in heaven and we live that way and people st- maybe they'll start to realize you know what the more i get the less happy i am you know i i just need to be more like like these people who are jesus followers you know they they seem to be more happy and it don't matter if they're dirt poor or rich it doesn't matter they're always happy and i want that you know so we need to be that type of people who are living a life that others would want to be. You know, they would want to be uh, wanting to find out what, where our happiness comes from. Because we got to have the good soil. So the fourth soil is the good soil. What makes it good? Because everybody's in a mess when they're born into this world. We're all born into this world as sinners. You know, we're, we're lost. And... But, but things prep the soil. That's why uh, little kids, you try to get them into church. You try to get them ar- ar- around the right people, and you protect them the, from the people who will lead them astray and will cause the all the bad things to happen to that precious soil. So you protect that soil from the weed seeds. You protect it from uh, stones being in there. So you there's a lot of things that go involved with the Christian life when you are a born again child of God you protect the little ones and then you try to help soften the hearts of those like the the third person in, on Wednesday night was the jailer who was in the he was the guy who was in the, he was the Philippian jailer who had ordered and, and beaten Paul and Silas and and he did, he treated them horribly put them in the middle of the of the prison and had them in stocks, and and they, they couldn't move, and he listened to them sing praises to God. They prayed to God at midnight and sang praises, and that hard heart got softened. And that's that good soil that we're after. And it was Paul and Silas who could have, when the earthquake happened and all of the stocks and the chains fell off of everybody and the doors were wide open and they all could have ran away and the jailer was about ready to kill himself. Well, some people say, well, he deserved it. Look at what terrible things he's done to all those prisoners. Years gone by, he deserves death. And Paul and Silas said, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And that really softened the heart, and he said, what must I do to be saved? I want what you have. Do we live a life to where if somebody got to that point, and maybe it's somebody who has done us wrong and we want nothing to do with them, but yet we're there for them in their time of most desperate need, would they say, what must I do to be saved? We're trying to get that ground, that fourth kind of ground is the ground of good soil where the seed falls on it, and it's because of the preparations that have been made through us as messengers of God, ministers of of Jesus Christ, and knowing that we got to pray for the Holy Spirit to do what He does, and it all going to work together. We can't figure it all out, but we just do our part and we pray that God will do his part and, and we just walk in faith and this, the seed has landed on the good ground and it takes a uh, root. The roots have plenty of soil to grow in. There's deep, solid roots. I mean, think about the people who are so involved with the matters of God's work and how they are deeply rooted. You know, somebody says something wrong and you get offended, but your deep roots, you stay there. I mean, just, I mean, it's a danger to have a dinner, you know. All these people working, we got uh, trying to get people here and, 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 and everybody's different, and you, and, and you might have some friction and, and somebody's feelings get hurt because this wasn't done right or what, all that could happen, but if we are deeply rooted, those, little, those things like that don't bother us. We get over it real quick because it's not about us. It's about what we did for the community and getting God's word out to people and letting people know that they're welcome here. Come and be part of this. And we can be forgiving of anything that might offend us. We're for, we just forgive. And we just move on. And we become stronger and stronger doing the work of God. So when that good seed falls on that good ground and it, and it grows, it's going to produce fruit for God. Now some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So when you see 30-fold, that's moderate development, which is better than none, way better than none. Then there's 60-fold, which is marked development, something that stands out when you're producing 60-fold, but then there's that 100-fold, which is marvelous development. So one of my favorites, John Phillips, he says it so well in his uh, Matthew commentary, so I'm going to read a little bit out of that, and he explains what what it means to be 30-fold. The key is the soil landed on, I mean, the seed landed on good soil. It sprang up. It's producing fruit. That's the main thing. Is you're producing fruit for God. Now, it may be 30-fold. So, we've talked about the problem soils. Now, the Lord turns his attention to the productive soil, which represents the willingness of some to bear fruit. In introducing the story, he had said that other seed fell into good ground and brought forth fruit some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. A genuine conversion is evidenced by fruit. However, not all truly saved people realize their full potential in bearing. So not all all truly saved people realize the full potential of, of fruit bearing. So there's moderate development. Can be seen in some lives. They love the Lord, they love His people, and they love the Bible. They are genuinely saved and take the initial steps toward fruitfulness, yet, certain areas of their lives somehow remain untouched by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So, that's just the 30 fold, 60 fold marked development. Can be seen in other lives. So they'll have all the qualities of what I just read, but they, they become the backbone of a local church. They are helpful, cooperative, and zealous members of the family of God. They teach in Sunday school, witness to others about Christ, give conscientiously to the Lord's work, maintain an interest in missions, and stand behind the local leadership. Their lives give evidence that they love the Lord and are seeking to grow in grace and increase in the knowledge of God and then there's the hundredfold the marvelous development they'll have all of those qualities from before but they go all the way with God they are spirit-filled Christ-like soul-winning Christians the fruit of the Spirit love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness and self-control can be seen developing in their lives The parable of the sower underlines what can be expected during this age. Seeming failure at the same time, marvelous. So you look at at the church as a whole, the Christendom, it just seems like failure after failure. You can look at certain big organizations within Christianity, that's Christendom, and you can see failure. You can see churches closing up, you can see... Men of God fall into sin. You see, it's just failure after failure. And the world will point that out every time it happens. See there, see there, see there. Even though the failures are happening and we see them, at the same time, marvelous fulfillment of God's purpose is also happening. The visible kingdom and the forces that are operating to hinder the work of God in the world Yet the work goes on. Souls are being saved, fruit is appearing, and here and there, astonishing fruitfulness is bringing wonderful glory to God. Now, for the next parable. <clears throat> Starts on 24. Another parable. Now notice another. The word another. Another. It's the Greek word, alos, which means another of the same kind. So you'll notice as you go through these parables, you're going to see another parable, another parable, because they're basically the same, talking about the same thing, but a little different. I like to say the same thing, only different. What's the same thing, only different? Well, how can it be the same thing if they're different? It's like a dollar bill and a silver dollar. They're the, they're the same thing, but they're different. Okay, So it's true. That statement is true. They are the same thing, only different, Said it, saying it in a different way. So this, uh, the, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field, from whence then hath it tares? So the good man, he sowed the good seed, he sowed wheat. But during the night, the enemy came and sowed the bad seeds. Right, so he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. It's Twenty-eight. And the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So we have two sowers. Remember, in the first parable, the sower was was insignificant compared to the soils. But in this one, the sower is important, and there's two sowers. Who's the first sower? Number one would be the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Now Jesus came down here in body form to make himself known to mankind. It was God coming down here in flesh so that he can dwell among us and make himself known to us. He died to make salvation possible. He was resurrected and lives to make effectual the salvation that he provided, All right? So he come down to give us a message. He died on a cross to make salvation possible, but then he was resurrected to make that salvation actually effectual in our lives. That's that's the sower of good seed. Now, the seed is not the word of God like it was in the first parable, but it's the people that are truly born again. That's the seed. Now, the second sower is the devil, the enemy. The devil, is he is a great counterfeiter, right? He tries to imitate Christ. He tricks people into hearing his gospel story He's got a gospel story that just really sounds awesome. It's just got a few twists here and there that will get you off course. Oh, it'll sound a whole lot like the real gospel, but it'll be missing something like the blood. It'll have a a more sophisticated way. Not that barbaric shedding of blood thing. I mean, we don't want to talk about that. So watch out for the devil. His, His way will sound like good news, just like somebody who's really good at counterfeiting money, it'll look really, really good. It has to. It's got to look good. So he's got this false gospel, and he's, he, he will trick people into believing his religion and serving him, and all the while imagining these people that he tricks, they think they're serving the real God. You know what? Jesus sows seed, but so does the devil. Jesus has ministers, so does the devil. Jesus works miracles, so does the devil. Jesus has a church, so does the devil. Christendom. It's all the people who claim to be Christians, no matter what they call themselves, I mean, I don't want to name them all out, but you know who I'm talking about. There's all different ones. Sometimes we call them cults. Uh, we, have, we even have uh, big organizations like, like Catholicism, Roman Catholicism. We, ha- we, we have had Protestants who broke away from the Catholic Church back in the 1500s and we had a good start back then, and then we, that, that denomination, we, you, I call it a denomination, but all these denominations you see today came from from the Protestant movement. Start with something good, and then they end up going right back into some of the things they got away from. We've got to be, be very careful of that. So Christendom, behind modernism with this bloodless gospel, and every false cult and religion is the devil with his host of wicked spirits seeking to delude and enslave unwary souls. Now I'm going to read a little bit out of Ephesians. Alright, I already read Luke 21:24, So I'm going to go over here to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 verses 11 through 13. Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having, having done all to stand. We've got to be on guard of the tricks of the devil. He is going to attack us. He's going to... And, and he's sneaky about it. So we've got to always have that armor on. We've got to be ready at all times. So the devil... In this this parable, he has come behind the good sowing of good people in the kingdom and he has placed his people in with it. Now, it could be in amongst a church setting, like a local church. You've got good, godly people and then the devil will bring in and they will look just like the good. They're bad, but you don't know they're bad. So, they didn't know that all these tares were bad until they got to a certain point to where they started to either develop the fruit or not. And the tares did not have the fruit. So, then when they realized that they had been tainted, all right, in Christendom, even though there are other people who call themselves Christians and that are clearly not. this parable instructs us to not go and forcibly remove them. It's not our job to remove them. But don't get confused that if a person comes in here and we find out they're of the devil, are we supposed to go to this parable? Or they'll say, oh, well, look, at the tar- look at the parable of the tares and the wheat. You're not supposed to remove me. And they would have some biblical backing to what they're saying. All right, I'm going to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 through 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. you get that? False apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, there there are plenty of Scripture that tells us to not do not have fellowship with the workers of iniquity. There are places where Paul tells us that if you see some bad going on in the church, you judge that situation. And if they don't turn from it, you kick them out of the church. So there are plenty of scriptures. We are to protect the house of God. If I know that there are tares and wheat in this building, it's my responsibility to get the tares out of here. It's not my responsibility to go down to the whatever church of the church, whatever, that are doing things wrong and to eliminate them, to get them out of the out of the out of the way. If you go back and look at history, which so called the history of Christianity is really Christian dumb there are certain big organizations that killed others. And there are certain people from times gone by that people look up to still today that because they said that person is teaching heresy, see, we don't all believe exactly the same on certain issues of the Bible. All you got to do is listen to the four-part creation series that I did beginning of the year. It doesn't line up with a lot of other Christians that I absolutely love. I, I was listening to the Unashamed podcast. I love those guys. But Phil says he's a young earther. Al says he's an old earther. Al thinks that you know, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years as a day. So he would say that day one of creation was really a thousand years or a million years because he wants to, to let time account for all the geological changes. I don't agree with either one of them. And then Jace will chime in and say, well, I think it's young. the earth is young. He just made it appear old. That makes way more sense than the other two, but it's still wrong, in my opinion. And I, you, you go back and listen to it. I use the Word of God, and that's all I base it on. And I come up with a different thing than they do. That's something we can, be, we can be very forgiving on and we can let it slide because that's not a very critical issue in believing in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's where we would have an issue. Well, Jesus wasn't really virgin born. Well, I'm sorry. I, you got to go. That's something you can't stand for. He had to be virgin born. Okay, so you see where I'm coming from on this? There are certain things that we're not going to agree on, we might fuss about. But then there's other things that you cannot allow to happen. The blood of Jesus Christ is what saves you. That's what cleanses your sins. If somebody tries to have a different gospel than that, you got to be sorry. No, you're wrong. There's two crops. So what comes up, you have the saved which is the children of the kingdom. There's plowing going on, which causes the conviction, which that's the Holy Spirit going out and plowing the ground and making it deep soil and good soil. You have the sowing, which is the actual conversion process starting to happen. And then when you're truly converted, then you have the crop, which is the fruit to the glory of God. Well, you also have the unsaved. Now... You can make the argument that any person who's not for God is against God. You're either saved or you're not saved. So if you're not saved, you're really part of Satan's side. But in this parable, it's there's plenty of people out there that just don't know any better. They don't come into the church and pretend to be Christians. They're out there doing their own thing. They're neither one or the other. You see the difference? Technically, they're on devil, the devil's side. They just don't know it. But then there's those who are used by the devil to actually come into Christendom somehow, some way, and to mess things up. To look like the real thing, but they're not. They're a poisonous weed, but they look so much alike. That's what this this parable is talking about. Christendom is really messed up with tares. And that's just the way it's going to be until Jesus himself sends the reapers to do the separating. And that's going to happen one day in the future. Uh, All right, 2 Corinthians... i got to go back to 2 Corinthians. This is the part. So I read 11. So... Go, uh, I'm going to 2 Corinthians 6. Now here's the part about protecting the local church. Alright, in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, starting with verse 11, and I'm going to read down to 7.1. Remember, the Corinthians, they were a messed up church. They were messed up. And Paul went there to fix it. It's a, he, he reproves them. He says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. He had a heart for them, and he's speaking to them, trying to correct them. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Be ye also enlarged. "...be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers." Okay? We're not supposed to allow unbelievers to come in amongst us and just do whatever they want to do. We're not not supposed to be unequally yoked. "...for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness?" And what concord hath Christ with Belial, which is is just a false god? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate. Remember, not isolated, but separate. Be separate. saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters. That's cool. It says it there. If you want to, Sonny's going to understand what we're talking about. Uh, Sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So, you can't use the parable of the tares and the wheat to say, well, just let them be. You know, you, you, who are you to judge? If they come in as unbelievers and they're spreading false doctrine, those types of things, you must stop that. But I'm not to go and shut down a, a certain denomination that are, that's preaching heresy. So what I was getting ready to say before, and I interrupted myself, There are church fathers, people from way back, that actually, because there was heresy being, what they thought was being heresy, they would have somebody thrown in prison or actually have them executed and thought they were doing God a favor by stopping the heresy. And their justification for it was, well, if someone believes the heresy, they'll go to hell forever. And, you know... There's a lot of things that you can justify. Little babies being killed every day. Are you going to go out and eliminate abortion doctors? Eliminate them. Yeah, I was just saving the babies. That's a major tear, a weed. I am disgusted by abortion doctors, but it's not up to me to take them out. I'm I'm not allowed to do that. Thou shalt not kill. They're killing, so why can't I kill them them, that are doing it? You know, I mean that would, you could justify anything. But we're instructed to not do it in violence, but to pray for them and and pray and pray and hope they're convicted and they see the sin in their lives. That jailer that jailed uh, Paul and Silas, he was an evil man, hard-hearted evil man. They could have taken him out, but they didn't and he ended up being saved. Point three, the very last part of this, there are two harvests. Which harvest are you going to be part of? Are you going to be with Christ at his coming to go live with God for eternity in heaven? Are you going to be that part of the harvest? Or are you going to be part of the harvest when the reapers come and they They separate the tares from the wheat, and the tares are all bundled up and laid aside to be thrown into the fire. But the wheat's going to be gathered up and put into the safety of the barn. That's going to heaven to be with God forever. Or are you going to be part of the tares that will be with the devil in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever? It's one or the other. Either you are wheat that has been sown by God, and you're doing the Lord's work. You worship Him. You give Him all the honor, and you receive that gift as a free gift. You, just, you don't try to pay anything for it. You receive the gift. The penalty of sin has been taken care of. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you, which gives you the power to overcome sin in your life today. And we are promised that one day when the harvest happens that we'll be taken up with him. Then there will be no presence of sin. We'll be with him forever. But if, you, if you're not in that group, understand that eternity with God in heaven has an opposite. It's eternity in hell with the devil. Which do you choose? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. and Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us, will help us to understand it, to see the deep meaning of these mystery parables as we continue to go through Matthew 13, that we we will break down these parables so that, Father, we know because of the way you presented them to the multitudes, but then took the disciples aside, your chosen people, the people that were walking with you and working for you, that you gave them a special revelation. And Father, we, if we are truly born again, children of God, we are yours, then you are communicating to us just like you did them. And Father, it is meant for us to understand these parables. And Father, we understand that, you know, The nation of Israel is your chosen people. And Father, they are blind for a period of time so that this church age could come in. And Father, that we can go out and minister and we can bring more people in and that we will be part of this church age until you decide to come back and take us out of here. And Father, give us the strength to be good wheat, to be able to go out and spread good seed on good soil Father, just give us that. We're praying for it. We're praying that we have opportunities to minister to those who need to know you. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray that as we go from here today, that we will look for those opportunities, that we will live a life that will be noticeable so that it will attract those who need to know you. Father, not just in the things we say, but the way we live our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.